Welcome to the Inspirational Living Podcast, brought to you in part by Book of Zen, makers of wearable inspiration for a better world. Today's podcast has been edited and adapted from If I Were 21 by Dr. Frank Crane, published in 1917. I have climbed the hill of life, and am past the summit, I suppose, and perhaps it may help those just venturing the first incline to know what I think I would do if I had to do it all over again. I have lived an average life. I have had the same kind of follies, fears, and fires that most have had. I have failed often and bitterly. I have loved and hated, lost and won done some good deeds and many bad ones. I have had some measure of success, and I have made about every kind of mistake there is to make. In other words, I have lived a full, active, human life, and have got thus far safely along. I am on the shady side of fifty. As people grow older, they accumulate two kinds of spiritual supplies. One, a pile of doubts, questionings, and mysteries, and the other, a much smaller pile of positive conclusions. There is a great temptation to expound upon the former subjects, for negative and critical statements have a seductive appearance of depth, and much more of a flavor of wisdom than clear and succinct declarations. But I will endeavor to resist this temptation, and will set down as concisely as I can, some of the positive convictions I have gained. The first duty of a human being in this world is to take themselves off other people's backs. I would go to work at something for which my fellow citizens would be willing to pay. I would not wait for an ideal job. The only ideal job I have ever heard of was the one some other person had. While it is quite important to find the best thing to do, it is much more important to find something to do. For example, if I were a young artist, I would paint soap advertisements if that were all opportunity offered, until I could go ahead enough to indulge in paintings like Van Gogh, Picasso, or Dali. If I were a young musician, I would rather play on the street than play not at all. If I were a young writer, I would do hack work if necessary, until I became able to write the great American novel. In other words, I would go to work. Nothing in all this world I have found is so good for you as work. The next thing to consider is adjustment. More people I have known have suffered because they did not know how to adjust themselves than for any other reason and the happiest-hearted people I have met have been those who have the knack of adapting themselves to whatever happens. I would begin with my relatives. While I might easily conceive of a better set of uncles, aunts, cousins, brothers, and so on, destiny gave me precisely the relatives I need. I may not want them, but I need them. So of my friends and acquaintances and co-workers. Every person's life is a plan of God. Fate brings to me the very souls out of the unknown that I ought to know. If I cannot get along with them, be happy and appreciated, 
I could not get along with another set of my own picking. An individual who is looking for ideal human beings to make up their circle of acquaintances would just as well go at once and jump into the river. Remember that half of your problem is you. The other half is circumstance. Your task is to bring results out of the combination of the two. Life is not a science to be learned. It is an art to be practiced. Ability comes by doing. Wisdom comes not from others. It is born of experience. Life is not like a problem in arithmetic to be solved by learning the rules. It is more like a puzzle of blocks or wire rings. You just keep trying one way after another until finally you succeed. Maybe. In the game of life is in the game of cards. We have to play the cards dealt to us. And the good player is not the one who always wins, but the one who plays a poor hand well. Now let us turn to your health and body. The comfort and efficiency of your days depend fundamentally upon the condition of this physical machine you are housed in. Look out for it as carefully as you attend to your car, so that it might perform its functions smoothly and with the minimum of trouble. Take up some daily system of exercise that will bring into play all the voluntary muscles of the body, and especially those which your occupation tends not to use. Devote half an hour to an hour daily to this purpose. In addition to your muscles, you must also take care of your mind. Your eventual success will depend mostly upon the quality and power of your brain. Hence, you should train it so as to get the best out of it. Most of the failures I have seen, especially in professional life, have been due to mental laziness. Hence, you should let no day pass without a period of hard, keen mental exertion, so that your mind will always be as a steel spring, or like a well-oiled engine, ready, resilient, and powerful. You must purge yourself as far as possible of intellectual cowardice and dishonesty. By intellectual dishonesty, I mean what is called expediency. That is, forming or adhering to an opinion not because you are convinced of its truth, but because of the effect it will have. A mind should marry truth till death do them part, for better or for worse. Now, on to the question of happiness. Never forget that anyone can be happy if they choose to be. Happiness does not depend on circumstance, but upon you. This is perhaps the greatest truth in the world and the one most persistently disbelieved. Happiness, said Thomas Carlyle, is as the value of a common fraction, which results from dividing the numerator by the denominator. The numerator in life is what we have. The denominator is what we think we ought to have. Humankind may be divided into two classes, the fools and the wise. The fools are externally trying to get happiness by multiplying the numerator. The wise divide the denominator. For example, if you only have $1,000 and think you ought to have $2,000, the answer is 1,000 divided by 2,000, which is one-half. Go and get another 1,000 and you have 2,000 divided by 2,000, which is one. You have doubled your contentment. 
But the trouble is that in human affairs, as you multiply your numerator, you unconsciously multiply your denominator at the same time, and you get nowhere. By the time your supply reaches $2,000, your wants have risen to $2,500. How much easier simply to reduce your notion of what you ought to have. Get your idea down to 1000 which you can easily do if you know the art of self-mastery. And then you have 1000 divided by 1000 which is 1. And a much simpler and more sensible process than that of trying to get another $1000. This is the most valuable secret of life. Nothing is of more worth to you than to awaken to the truth that you can change your wants. Not only all happiness, but all culture, all spiritual growth, all real inward success is a process of changing one's wants. So make up your mind to be happy. You get about what is coming to you in any event in this world, and happiness and misery depend on how you take it. Why not be happy? Beyond that, learn the art of conversation, of small talk. Equip yourself to be able to entertain the grouchiest, most blasé people. For there is hardly a business in the world in which it is not a great advantage to be able to converse entertainingly. The secret of being a good conversationalist is a genuine, unselfish interest in others. That and practice. It consists more in making the other person talk than in talking yourself. In addition, do not argue. I never knew one person in my life that was convinced by argument. Discuss, yes, but not argue. The difference is this. In discussion you are searching for the truth, and in argument you want to prove that you are right. In discussion, therefore, you are anxious to know your neighbor's views and you listen to them. In argument you don't care anything about the other person's opinions. You want them to hear yours. Hence, while they are talking, you are simply thinking over what you are going to say as soon as you get the chance. Lastly, let us take a few moments to talk about transcendent things. God, death, and moral responsibility are huge facts which no life can escape. They are the eternal sphinxes by the roadside of every person's existence. We thus must frame some sort of answer to them. In my own case, I have arrived at a simple answer. Let me first say that I am familiar, to some extent, with most of the religions, cults, and creeds of humankind. There are certain points common to every major religion, for in every one you are taught to be honest, pure-minded, unselfish, reverent, brave, loyal, and the like. These elements of religions may be called the great common divisor of all faiths. This GCD is my religion. It is what more than 50 years of thought and experience has winnowed out for me. And I think I glimpse what Emerson meant when he wrote that all good people are of one religion. And the matter can be reduced to yet plainer terms. There is but one needful thing, and there is no use being careful and troubled about many things. That one thing is to do right. So let us all resolve and keep our purpose that no matter what comes, no matter what may be the rewards of wrongdoing, or the perils and losses of right-doing, we will do right. If you stick to this, make it your anchor in times of storm, your pole star in nights of uncertainty, 
you will cast out of your life that which is life's greatest enemy, fear. You need not fear man nor woman, nor governments nor mischief makers, nor the devil nor God. You will be able to say with the accent of sincerity, those words of William Ernest Henley, which is to me the greatest spiritual declaration in any language. Beneath the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody but unbowed. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Above all else, study the art of life. It is good to know arithmetic, geography, history, and all practical matters. But it is better to know how to live. How to spend your day so that at the end of it you shall be content. How to spend your life so that you will feel it has been worthwhile. The Inspirational Living Podcast is a production of The Living Hour. Get your own private feed to our podcast with full transcripts delivered right to your smartphone by becoming our patron today. It costs less than a cup of coffee a month and will ensure the production of our podcast for years to come. Visit livinghour.org slash patron. Thanks for listening. I look forward to talking with you next time.